This is recording number 11093 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 2, 2014. This is the third message in a series titled, Unleashing the Power of Family. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Intimate Allies. How to Build a Marriage of Deep Intimacy. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. And uh, we're going to continue the study that we're in called Unleashing the Power of Family. God meant for family to be a, sort of a, a powerful force in our lives for good and for fulfillment and for wholeness and blessing. And often, uh, sadly, that's not the result of our family experiences. And that's because like everything in this world, sin has corrupted you know, at all. And so because we're all sinners and imperfect, we create imperfect families and stuff happens. But that's not the end of the story. We have a Savior who came to change all of that. And his sacrificial uh, death and resurrection has made possible a recovery in every sense. Sin is not the final word uh, on anything that... Uh, uh, that has to do with our lives when we turn to the one who has conquered sin in our place on the cross. And so we're looking at what Jesus wants to do in our families and bringing healing and wholeness to us. And this is actually a series that started two years ago. Um, we, we did a, a series of, I don't know, six, seven, eight messages on different aspects of family life. But there's so many things that, you know, family touches, so many issues and and subjects that uh, we really couldn't cover all the things that I had on my heart to do at that time. And so uh, we took a two-year break. We're back at it now, pick up where we left off and, and uh, tackle some of the other, the other themes. And today we're going to be talking about uh, marriage. And uh, the title is Intimate Allies, How to Build a Marriage of Deep Intimacy. Now, if you're not married... Um, here today, uh, you may be uh, desiring to be married or to be married again. Uh, even if that's not the case, you certainly know people who are married and are in the circle of your life's influence. And there's ways in which that the things that we're going to talk about today will apply to you either personally or that God could use you to speak into the life of someone else. So the fact that you may not be married right now doesn't mean that this isn't um, stuff that that the Lord could speak to your heart through. So I'm inviting you to join with me regardless of your marital status today and diving into this scripture. And we're only going to read one verse today. And I usually don't like to do that because it's easy to take scriptures or verses of scripture out of context. In fact, it's, it's uh, uh, common, sadly common, that people will try to justify anything they want on the basis of some scripture or some passage of scripture taken out of context. And so we always try to, to keep uh, the, the whole of what the Bible says in mind when we are looking at, at uh, Scripture. But today we're going to just deal with this one verse because it's crystal clear what it's talking about. And, and uh, so there you have it. 
Now, my wife isn't here today. She's visiting our son and uh, his wife up in um, Portland. And uh, so poor timing on my part that she isn't here when I'm talking about marriage. Um, but uh, I, I, I goofed up. So anyway, what I did yesterday is I went to her favorite store. And by the way, guys, even if you don't, this, this is a little tip, okay? I've been married 40 years. It's a little tip. If you don't know what to get your wife, at least go to the store she likes, okay? <laughs> so I went to her favorite store, uh, Macy's, yesterday. And if you know my wife or been to our home, you know that she collects uh, dishes of every type, but, pr- but particularly teacups and saucers and teapots. And so I went to the Macy's store and I bought a little teacup and saucer for her and um, give that to her when she gets home. But for right now, I'm going to set it on this pedestal right over here because I want this to represent her today and I always want to have her on a pedestal. Aww. Yeah. What's the right way? What's the intonation of that? Is it like, aww? How do you do that? I never get that right. <laughs> so, well, let's let this represent my dear Sue today, okay? Now, <clears throat> to me, one of the things, you'll hear some of my story today, and you'll understand then after that why this is such a meaningful and important and powerful theme to me personally. But as I move through my life and ministry as a pastor, one of the things I, I've noted is that after uh, more than 30 years of doing this is where you get, I get in, because of what I do, I get invited into, you know, like it or not sometimes, I get invited into the most personal areas of people's lives. And, and I've discovered that uh, probably the majority of married couples that I work with do not have much depth to their intimacy quite shallow, quite shallow. Nobody intends for that to happen, but it's just kind of, there's no, you know, as much as people prepare for marriage, um, sometimes it's hard to, because you don't have any context to put it into, it's hard to even receive the information and know what to do with it. You want to be, you want to get, hit the ground running in a marriage and, and you do your best, but it's not till after you got the band on your hand and and uh, you're, you're living it out that you discover it's not as easy as you thought it might have been. And one of the things that gets neglected is the determination to go deep with each other. So it's amazing to me how often husbands and wives, they, can, uh, they could tell you, I don't ask them, but they could tell me if I did ask, every detail of their spouse's anatomy and know nothing about the geography of their soul. Nothing about the topography of who they really are. And uh, so I, to me, this is just a, I don't think there's anybody in this room who is married or wants to be married who would say, man, I I want a shallow marriage. (laughs) I don't think anybody would say that. And so I want to ask you to read with me verse 7 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. And we're going to look at three things this morning having to do with building A marriage of deep intimacy. Husbands, likewise dwell with them, your wives, with understanding. Now before I go any further, let me ask you to help me this morning. Because 
This one verse that we're going to read comes in a passage where uh, the Apostle Peter is giving, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving instructions to husbands and wives. And he gives specific instructions to each. And we come now to a verse where he's talking specifically to husbands. However, you will make a big mistake today. If you write, if you're a wife or a wife-to-be or a wife who wants to be a wife-to-be or a woman who wants to be a wife-to-be or however that is, You'll make a big mistake today if you write this off and say, well, this is just for my husband. I hope you're listening up, you know. Because what, what is written here is something for every one of us who seeks to be a husband or wife in a relationship of deep intimacy. So please don't exclude yourself uh, on the basis of how this is addressed. Husbands... Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Three things. First of all, if you want to build a marriage of deep intimacy, you're going to need to seek to truly know each other. Dwell with them with understanding, it says. Truly know each other. Aside from the most primal desire that people have, which is to have a relationship with their maker, second to that surely is, I desire to be known. And the two go together, by the way, because there isn't anyone in all of the universe who can really know you like God knows you. But God intends for husbands and wives to uh, model something close to that. You know, my wife can read my face like a book. A part of that, part of that is that we've lived together so long. We'll be celebrating 40 years this May. Part of it is that, but it's not all that. A lot of it is that she's worked to learn me. She's worked to learn how to read me, to know me. And I got to tell you, it brings such strength, such fulfillment, such security to my life to know there's another human being in this world who, who gets me. And gets me all the way to my toes. I don't have to, you know, we work, you, you probably aren't aware of this, but let me just kind of fill you in. Most of your day is spent in effort to be who you think you should be or you, who you think other people need you to be or want you to be. And the work, the effort of that is wearying to us in ways we don't even understand. But to be, when I come home to my bride, who I don't have to do that for, it's like, this weight comes off of me. I don't, it's not that I intend to, I don't, I don't go through my day intending to try to be somebody else. It's just part of the nature of, of life that when it's not there, when I don't have to do that, it feels so right and so rich. She's able to offer that to me because she has sought to truly know me. Yesterday when I went into Macy's, uh, I was stepping into her world, in part to buy this cup, but in part to just get to know her more. So I went up to the third, do you know there's a third floor in Macy's? <laughs> I, I went into uncharted territory, man. And, I, and so I find myself in this place surrounded by these things that 
you know, if you breathe on them too strongly, they're going to break, you know, and I'm like, oh, because my fine motor skills are not the best, you know. <laughs> I will never stop studying her. Because I want to offer to her what she offers to me. Deep intimacy requires that. We dwell with one another with understanding. And the problem is, a lot of us assume we know our spouse. In fact, every single couple that has ever come to me for premarital counseling or to ask me if I would perform their wedding, every single one of them, because I always ask this question, I say, well, why do you want to get married? It's so telling what they say next, but they always say this next. They always say, oh, because we have so much in common. <laughs> and there is some truth to that. Let me, I don't want to make too much light of it. But it won't be long before they figure out <laughs> the truth that they're completely opposite of each other. And that's by design. God said, I'm going to make a helper that fits him, that complements him, that completes, they, they complete each other. So it, what value is it? If he brings two people that are the same together, there's no value to that. So God is in the, he's, he does that because he's, he's, he's shaping us, he's fulfilling us, he's completing us with each other. But we come to marriage often assuming that we know our husband or wife because we think we know ourselves. And so it takes a choice, it takes a decision to decide a decision to decide is sort of redundant, but I think you know what I mean. To know each other. The second thing that we see here is giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And let me just say that there's often, I think that this passage, this phrase, these two phrases, are often... Um, misinterpreted they're often interpreted this way guys you know your wife is kind of kind of fragile you never know what's going to happen when she's going to go off the deep end so make sure you lavish lots of praise and honor and love on her you know because you just don't know when it's going to unravel right <laughs> or like you know uh she's not you know she's not as tough as you and so you got to make sure you don't uh, you know, expose her to the hard things of life. Okay, there's some truth to that. But that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. When it talks about the weaker vessel, it's using a word that is found in, uh, you can, found in several places in the New Testament, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Jesus is talking about, through the Apostle Paul, he's talking about how his body, the church, or his church is like a body. And that there's different parts to the body. And it says, can the, can the eye say to the hand, I don't need you? And it, then it goes on to say, well, the, 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 the assumed response is, well, no, of course, that's silly. The eye has to, needs the hand. The eye can see things, but the eye can't grab things and touch things. Of course, the eye needs the hand. The assumed assume response is, well, of course, that's silly. The eye needs the hand. But then it goes on to say, we give honor to our weaker vessel, our weaker members. It's used in the same way. 
And so I don't know how many of you would think of your hand as weak. It's one of the strongest parts of your body. So when it's using that word, it's not using it as a negative sense. This teacup here is weak. It's fragile. But not because there's a problem with it, but because there's a beauty to it. Its fragility, its weakness is, be, is what is, is directly tied to its value. I don't know if this is a real gold around. I mean, for much, as much as they charge me for it, it better be. But, <laughs> but there's shiny metal on there, and somebody painted these, these little roses on there and stuff. And, you know, whoa. <laughs> you know, if the roles were reversed today and Sue was here and I was with my son, you know what she'd have on this, on this pedestal? A sledgehammer, you know, <laughs> for, for sure. But Anyway, when, when Paul says to... Honor your wife. And remember, this is not just about husbands to wives, but it's also, can you imagine the Lord says, well, this is only for men. Men, show honor to, to your wife. No, of course. It's, it's both ways. He says, honor, value, highly value your spouse because he or she is precious. You know, these, my wife has a special cabinet where these uh, cups and saucers go, and they're protected from earthquakes and everything else because they're valuable. So when, I, I may have said Paul before I met Peter, when Peter says these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, give honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel, he's saying, honor this valuable gift that I've given to you. So the second thing I want you to see here is if you're going to build a marriage of deep intimacy, you need to learn to highly value each other. And you're looking at someone who spent way too long not doing that. Um, I, I mentioned before, we've been, we'll be married this May 40 years, and uh, it would be true to say that for 40 years we've been happily married. That's true. But the first 10 years were not perfect and somewhere around the 10th year, I don't remember exactly the day, but we were, in, uh, we were in ministry. I was pastoring our first church, and it was on a Sunday afternoon, and I, uh, we'd had all of the services in the morning and everything, and I was there preparing for a speaking engagement I had at another church that evening, and in walks Sue. And she casually comes over and sits in the chair across from my, my desk. And my first thought is, where are the kids? Because we have three little kids at home. It was, this caught me off guard completely because I, you know, I just was totally unexpecting this. And she didn't, she wasn't upset or uh, didn't seem to be angry. It was, she was very calm. But she said, Randy, I'm, I'm leaving you. And it was like somebody took a baseball bat to my head. I, I had to remind myself to breathe. I, I thought I was dying. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend that moment. And I, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but you know that it's been 30 years since and we're still together, so you know that things turned out better than they should have. Because we loved each other enough and we loved God enough that we, we made our way through that. But the reason that we were there that day was because of me. 
because I did not value her. I did not treasure her. In fact, with nearly everything I would say to her, certainly everything I did, I was reinforcing the idea that she wasn't good enough. Her, the way she went about things was not smart enough. Or she, she was not enough. Now, my wife, she, to this day, she has a habit of kind of leaving drawers and doors ajar. She never fully closes things. And, it, you know, it's a little thing, but it used to, I would say, what is wrong with you? I mean, how hard is it? Close the stinking door. <laughs> but you see, every time I did that, every time I said that, what she was hearing is, you're stupid. You're not enough. One time, you know, if you go in my, my, if you go in our closet and you go to my side of the closet, all the shirts hang the same direction. They're all in this, all color coded, same sizes and everything. It's like that. Her side, different story. And I used to just think, what? I mean, how do you find anything in here? You know. And, and so one day I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to fix this for her. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I straighten it all up, organize the whole thing, and then I bring her in. See what I did for you? And I'm expecting, oh, thank you so much. Didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> now let me tell you, though, it wasn't just that you know, I annoyed her. I was saying again, you are not smart enough. You are not capable enough. See how my way is best. But you know what happened? Not only was she upset with me, but something of the light went out of our home that day. And I realized, I need her to be the way she is. I don't need her to be me. You know, one of these days, one of us is going to break the other's heart by leaving this world before the other one. And when that day comes, if she goes first, I'm going to miss closing those doors and drawers that she leaves halfway open. The pile of stuff that she has on my desk, I'm going to miss that. I need her to be who she is. Not who I think she should be. Not who I want her to be. God knew what I needed. And I needed her. I'm taking a risk here today. Talking to husbands and wives that are sitting in the same room. And in most cases next to each other. I'm going to ask you. If anything that I'm saying today touches your situation and circumstance give each other grace to work this out because what we end up doing is we take something precious you know it's so crazy I mean I I, I want I chose her over every other woman because I wanted her I mean I was attracted to her and then the day I said I do, I started off to try to change her. What sense does that make? 
And with every comment and every action, I was taking something precious and crushing it. That's what we do to each other. And then we wonder why things are not going well. Thankfully, I bought two. to be different. You need them to be them. Value that. Finally, he says, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. If you want to build a marriage of deep intimacy, live as full partners with each other. Yeah, I understand that the Bible teaches that there is a there is a there is submission and there is headship in a home, you know, and, and all of that. But but ultimately it's about us being full partners. And we get this so wrong. Sometimes we have this attitude, well, she's my helper or my apprentice my protege, or he, you know, and our culture certainly reinforces this. Every single sitcom and advertisement that we see, the guy is just some doofus along for the ride. We were intended to be full partners with each other. And it says here that we inherit the grace of life together not through one another or through one or the other, together. And it says that when we live that way, our prayers, which praying here is describing the, the primal way that we relate to God. It's the, 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 our communion with him. It says that there's something that wants to hinder that. Yesterday in our men's institute, we were, we were listening to a video where a guy made a comment. He said, there's nothing that's opposed by, by the devil as much as you becoming, he was talking to men, as you becoming who God made you to be. And that's true. But it is also at least equally true that there's nothing that is oppo as opposed by the adversary as the two of you inheriting the grace of life together as full partners and so when we are not, and I, look, I know couples that have, they both have their own relationship with God, but there's no intersection of that. You know, he's got his relationship, she's got hers. There's no shared space in that. And, and he says, when you live like that, your interaction with God, your prayers are opposed, they're hindered. They're not accomplishing the, 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 the relationship that you want to have with God is something less than what he intends. But when you live 
in full partnership, when you inherit the grace of life together, all that gets pushed out of the way. The Bible says where two agree on earth is touching anything, it'll be done for them. There's power in our agreement and living as full partners in the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to wrap this up by asking your, you to indulge me one more time because I want to read something that some of you have probably heard before because I posted it on Facebook once and, and on all that. But I want to read something that I composed for my wife on her, the occasion of her 50th birthday. And I can say that because she's never hidden her age. In fact, let's just say it. She's 58 years old. And the reason that I say that is because I'm one month older for her. And when April comes around, she's going to start telling everybody she knows she's married to an older man. <laughs> okay. anyway. But on, on her 50th, uh, we, we had a big family celebration and all of our kids and prepared a video uh, you know, expressing to her how much they loved and appreciated her. And this is what I wrote for that occasion. And the only reason I'm asking you to indulge me in this, which is something very personal, is because what I'm hoping is that by, by reading this, that it will bring to mind things in your own life in your own marriage or the marriage you hope to have and that the things that we've talked about today from God's word, that that will all coalesce in some actionable way for you, okay? So here's what I said. I said, without you, who would make sure that my window boxes are always in bloom so that when I look out on each new day, the first thing I see is God's beauty and creative design? Whose gracious and lovely presence would make my bed a place of rest, warmth, and security? Who would walk with me through life's shadows, shadowlands? Whose hand would I hold? Whose voice of encouragement and comfort would pierce the dark and help me remember that the Lord will see me through? Who would join me before the throne of God at the close of each day to thank him for his rich blessings and to trust our children to his care? Who would see to it that bud vases filled with fresh cut flowers and living plants fill my home and soften the hard edges of my neat, well-ordered, but otherwise sterile world? Who would know me deeply enough to interpret my heart's cry when I can't find words to say? Whose sweet and tender voice would I hear on the other, line, in the other end of the line saying, I love you and I miss you when I pick up the phone in the middle of a busy day for those calls I don't have time for but couldn't possibly go on living without? Whose charm and beauty would take my breath away and make me stare in disbelief that such a wonderful creature shares my life? Who would make sure that I possess things which have absolutely no practical purpose but are valuable simply because they are pretty, fragile, or even just cute? Who would be there to remind me by example that life's true joys are found in relationships and not in the accomplishing of tasks? Your luminous life stirs my soul with such passion 
and my spirit with such humble gratitude to God that I can't even begin to express my heart. But this I know, as surely as anything in this world, I love you with every fiber of my being, and I cannot conceive of a life worth living without you in it. I ask you to remember, <clears throat> see, I'm a man and I'm a husband talking about my wife, and this passage is addressed to husbands, but I asked you, don't make the mistake of thinking this is only about how a husband treats his wife. I know men who have been just as broken and shattered as this cup on the floor by the words of their wives, by the ways that they failed to treasure their husbands. <clears throat> Let's be people who dive deep in our relationships with one another. <clears throat>